Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Pickup. This is your host, Dan. I'm joined by my co-host, Ben. We got another full episode planned for you guys. We're going to break down week four and their player of the week um, for each conference. We're going to also highlight two teams of the week that have been rolling. In addition, we're going to do a first month breakdown of the season and a little MVP watch. We have a news roundup. Um, some violations and tampering investigations going on in the league that we're going to fill you guys in on. Um, highlight just one game of the week for each of us, do a shorter segment for games of the week because of the news roundup. And then finally, we're going to continue our trend from last week and do our underappreciated performances of the week from each of us to close out. So welcome back to another episode um, and excited to kick this, kick this off for you guys. So um, let's jump right in. Ben, first off, what do you think about our two players of the week? We got Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. Yeah, well, I mean, two former teammates here. Uh, Steph just looks like the level he was at last year. Um, it's going to be really interesting to monitor how they integrate Clay back into everything. If anything, I believe it's just going to make things easier and easier for him out there. Um, we obviously saw him drop a 50-point performance here this week so you know i think steph is gunning for that mvp and we will um kind of go into that a little bit more later and i believe kd is just kind of going uh, maybe a little underappreciated so this kind of helps people bring um bring attention back to him uh the nets are playing without Kyrie, obviously and, and james harden hasn't um looked like his mvp self um he's kind of rounding into form here adjusting to the new rules but Durant has just been exceptional um, to start this whole season. So it's, it's nice to see him get some, some recognition here with a player of the week nod. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, sometimes it's, it's easy to ignore excellence when you've seen it for so long from so many, from guys of this caliber. So someone like Steph and someone like KD getting these awards should, should be valued just as high. Right. And it's just reminding us of the greatness that we get to watch in each of them. And for you listeners, I'll read off the stats for each of those guys for this past week. Um, first off, both teams went three and one. So excellent weeks for both Golden State and Brooklyn. Steph averaged 34.8 points per game, 7.8 assists per game and 5.5 rebounds. And then Kevin Durant averaged 32.3 points per game, 7.8 rebounds per game and shot an amazing 62.9% from the field. And just to add to KD, because it's it's pretty remarkable what he's doing right now in terms of efficiency, he's leading the NBA in field goals made at 11.2 and points per game at 29.5, but he's not even top 10 in field goal attempts. Like, that just it's crazy how how insanely efficient that this man is. <laughs> we we've always known he's an electric soar and he he can get his basket from anywhere. But Ben, what do you think about just the the amazing display of efficiency we're seeing from KD to begin the year. Yeah, I mean, it, it almost seems like it shouldn't be possible, um, <laughs> especially with you know every single night. He, this guy's that he's the focal point of every single uh, defensive coach, and and you know he does take a lot of the contested shots. And his, um, you know, if I I think if we were going to see any season like this. It would have been his time in Golden State where the ball was kind of hopping around more so. He's getting a lot more open looks, but no, he's just just putting the ball in the, the bucket. So he's uh he's shooting on Preston. We know this man's capable of a 50, 40, 90 season, and uh maybe he exceeds that. Um 
that mark pretty clearly this season. So we'll have to monitor that. Yeah, and it's just a little fun note for you listeners too. We're filming this as of Monday night, and Golden State and Brooklyn do face each other tomorrow on Tuesday. So um, we get to see Steph and KD be named Players of the Week, and then tomorrow night we get to actually watch them go head-to-head. So uh, pretty excellent timing for both of those guys, and, and we'll see if they can kind of keep up the stretches that they've been going against each other and hopefully what will be a fun game to watch. So, Ben, let's turn it to our teams of the week. We have two teams that have just been red hot. Um, The Wizards have won five games in a row and are currently still first in the Eastern Conference at 10-3. and And then also the Phoenix Suns have now won eight games in a row after somewhat of a slow start um, and have climbed all the way back up to second right behind Golden State. So, what do you make of these teams play for, for this past week in the season as a whole? And, um, and what are your kind of takeaways for both of them? Yeah. Phoenix. Um, I think this is more what we were expecting. This is a group that was just running it back. Um, and they started really slow. Like you mentioned, they were one in three, but now they've rattled off eight in a row here. And this is, this is the kind of regular season dominance I was expecting from the Suns team. They were, the number two seed last year for a reason. Um, there's no reason they shouldn't be up in, in one of those top two seeds again. Um, so I I just think this this team is just kind of finding its groove. It's Chris Paul is looking like he's worth all the money in the world. Um, obviously, during that stretch, he, he passed um, Steve Nash, the obviously all-time great Suns point guard for assist, most assists all-time. But um, then the Wizards, it's just like, I think it's just impressive the, the longer they kind of stay up near the top of the East. Obviously, the, the Sixers did get Harris back, but then lost in bead. Um, so they kind of dropped off a little here as far as the standings go. But the Wizards just kept taking care of business and winning close games, um, doing it as a collective group. And I think it's just, you know, honestly, um, I think a lot of people look at that deal they made with, for – for giving up Westbrook and kind of scoffed at it. And, and they're making people kind of try to, they're making people take them seriously. Now the wizards, they get up and down, they move the ball. Well, a lot of different threats on the court and they got, they got different guys hitting big shots there to end end some games for them. Yeah, I totally agree. I think what Washington has just done has been the biggest shock of the whole entire season so far. Um, And it's been remarkable. I mean, you, you kind of love to see it, especially for a man who's as loyal as Bradley Beal. Like you want him to be on a competitive team, especially when they were so bad and he wasn't demanding out, he wasn't demanding out. And now look at him. They're top of the West uh, or top of the East and um, leading the way. And obviously it's, it's still early. We don't know if they're going to sustain it for the whole year, but like you said, they have a lot of different guys that can be a threat. And so definitely looks like something that's sustainable because um, each night someone else can contribute. And those pieces that came over from the Lakers too are, are really thriving in, in an open environment where they can kind of take on more responsibilities. So that's been fascinating to see as well. So props to the Wizards um, and way to go get Bradley Beal like a more well-rounded team because it's, it's fun to finally watch someone who's so electric um, play on a team that's a little bit more competent and not bottom feeding in the East. And then in terms of the Suns, I, I totally agree, Ben. I thought for both Milwaukee and Phoenix, and we kind of see it, both teams um, got off to a really slow start. Milwaukee's still kind of slow start with some injuries here and there. But what Phoenix has done on this really just rapid turnaround, like they've just been rolling now for eight games in a row, 
has been has been remarkable and they definitely look like a team that um is still hungry to kind of get back to where they were so really just incredible job by both of these teams and um i can't wait to see what they keep doing for the rest of the year let's uh let's jump to our next segment now um our mvp watch for the first month of the season so Ben and I created a kind of a list of players here, um, top three essentially for the MVP race. Um, number one, and we can dive into each of these players, Ben, we have Steph, um, two, DeMar DeRozan, and then three, Nikola Jokic. Are there any other guys you, you want to throw into consideration there? No, I mean, I think I think for me personally, that kind of rounds it out. I think Durant, obviously, um, will get some attention as well. Um, and you could maybe swap him and Jokic. And um, I probably wouldn't argue either one uh, a little more favorably, but um, I think that I think that should be a fair, fairly consensus top three at the moment right now. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, Steph, like we've already elaborated multiple times on this pod, like now he's a one player of the week twice already in a young season. Um, as Ben mentioned, he's playing MVP level basketball, like picking up right where he left off last season as well. Um, DeMar, I think, could definitely pull votes if the Bulls keep climbing the ranks in the East. They're currently sitting at number three, but he's got the storyline to do it because he's kind of bringing, helping bring the Bulls back to relevance. They're playing really, really great basketball. And he's playing his best basketball himself personally. Like we've seen DeMar explode for some amazing performances already to begin the year. Um, and he looks like their best player. So it's been fun to watch. And then Nikola Jokic um, currently has Denver sitting at the three seed as well. And just because this guy's the reigning MVP doesn't mean he shouldn't have the chance to win it again. We've seen back-to-back MVPs before. And he's just kind of reinforcing why he was that pick last year. He's currently, according to StatMuse, has the highest single season PER of all time. And it's not really close. The gap between him, 35.1, and the second player, Wilt Chamberlain at 32.1, is bigger than the gap between Wilt and the 45th player. And again, we're early in the year, so I don't know if this is sustainable, but still, it's a pretty remarkable feat for even just the first four weeks of the season. So <clears throat> I think the only other guy I might throw in there is is Luca? He kind of feels like he's always in the conversation. And if Dallas can kind of keep being relevant and playing um, a top of the West there, he might steal some votes. But this definitely feels like a firm top three for me. What do you, would you, anything else you want to add on, on those three guys, Ben, or, or have this MVP race to kind of begin the year? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously the storyline and uh, media grabber is going to be Steph. Um, He's just one of the greatest to do it all time. And um, it's almost like, you know, it's almost like LeBron where it's like we went through some some seasons here and there where he, he didn't get the MVP and we kind of uh, got it to other people. And now maybe this is his time to maybe add another one to the, the his personal trophy case there. Um, I would love to see DeMar. Um, I don't know if anyone expected, um, has ever expected an MVP year from DeMar DeRozan the dude's been a perennial all-star and um, definitely in contention here for all NBA this season averaging like 26 5 and 4 um, for his current stat line but I just I think the Bulls are going to need to be like that one or two seed for him to really kind of gain momentum there um, 
but I think it's going to say a lot just because of what their season was last year. They they didn't make the playoffs even after kind of going in for for Vucevic. They didn't even make the play in. Um, obviously, there's some contributing factors to that with um, Vucevic and Levine kind of missing time here collectively. But um, at the end of last season, but yeah, Demar's impact. He's he's a guy that's that's won the most out of that core group that that was kind of put together this offseason and. And he's just – he's kind of changing things there in Chicago and that the defense is impressive from that team. And and the games kind of slow down because of that defense where it allows him to kind of um, get into his comfort zone in that mid-range and also kind of just get out and run um, in transition. So I'm excited to kind of keep keep an eye on him because it would be, be a really fun um, thing to see and, and for his personal career because – um, just to kind of cap off his career with that kind of recognition would be would be something special. Yeah, I totally agree. And another guy who feels like pretty similar to Demar in that regard, Ben, and that storyline is is Jimmy Butler. Like if the Heat kind of climbs the rankings, I know we touched on that. I believe it was last week, maybe two weeks ago, but kind of his stellar start to the year and and the fact that the Heat are still playing really good basketball as well. So just seeing, obviously, like if Steph wins another like just adds to the greatness of Steph Curry and you can't take that away from him and he would be definitely deserving of it. But I mean, it's just like, it'd be so fun to see a guy like DeMar or a guy like Jimmy pull an MVP and, and get that one kind of awesome run for their career. Because like you said, not probably expected out of either of those guys. So I'm with you. I'd love to see a guy like DeMar win that. And um, with what he's been doing with the Bulls, it's just been amazing, especially when that signing was just ridiculed a lot and he's proven the haters wrong. So <clears throat> let's go. Let's go tomorrow. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm pulling for him. We'll see what happens, though. Um, and it's been a fun MVP race so far. I think it will be continued. Or sorry, it will continue to be fun for the rest of the year. Moving on to our, our news roundup, then. Um, we have a variety of things to talk about. Today, it was reported from Sham. So the Timberwolves have been fined. $250,000 provided violating league rules that prohibit teams from paying or arranging for off-season practice or group workout sessions for their players outside a team's home market. In addition, according to uh, Woj, the Heat and Bulls tampering investigations are nearing an end, and Woj has stated that fines could include up to $10 million for each team. Could be one of the larger tampering fines we've seen for a while. Um, and they could also be penalized draft picks as well as suspensions dealt to execs on both sides. Ben, what do you make of all this um, this league news and, and um, the tampering investigations and, and the violating league rules that are kind of going around? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the Wolves one was just a surprise. Um, that one kind of came out of nowhere. I, I, I wasn't personally aware of the rules and regulations that went into um, organizing off-season workouts for for players, but I think that's kind of why we see um, players in their own open gyms or working out with their personal trainers on the side. It's um, we haven't really ever seen scheduled workouts, and I think now we know that's for a reason. Um, the the tampering one is obviously with the Heat and the Bulls. I think is obviously the big one. Um, as far as the ownership goes, you know, we'll have to monitor the season of success and maybe these are $10 million fines they'd happily pay based off of how this, uh, 
how the season goes, but it's, it is something because, you know, I, I feel like in all professional sports, we see these fines handed out and, and we're like, Oh, that's not that much to, to these players. It's like a slap on the wrist. These are, these are big numbers. I mean, granted, even granted they're to owners. Um, and so um I think this is this is definitely a statement. I mean, we all kind of make a joke about how these deals are made on like the first second of free agency opening or first second of the trade moratorium lifting. And you're like, there's no way all the conversation could have happened within that time. And this is kind of uh, the NBA cracking down on it a little bit. Yeah. And, and just for league or sorry, for listener context, um, these violations and investigations are because of the Kyle Lowry signing and Alonzo Ball signing both happen within, like Ben said, the first day of free agency and um, happen real quick too. So that's why the Heat and Bulls are kind of being looked into. And as Ben said, both teams are having very successful starts of the year with Alonzo Ball and Kyle Lowry being big reasons for each of those. So it might be fines that they're willing to accept, but Ideally, you would like to see the tampering in the league kind of go down. I mean, there's always jokes about it. Um, LeBron's a big target of it, obviously, with the whole AD thing. Um, so we know it happens. We know these conversations go on. So I agree. It's probably a good thing um, for the best of the league if if they do kind of are able or sorry, if they're able to crack down on it with these more heavy fines. Um, 10 million might not seem like a lot to an owner, right? But it's a, it's a large number to us. Um, and it's bigger than, for instance, the Timberwolves one we were just talking about, the 250000 So um, I think it's, it's probably a good thing. It is interesting. It's, it's continued to the, take place, though. I mean, we knew these kind of were happening since the offseason. So it's interesting to hear some more news about it um, after a month into the year. Anything else on that one, Ben? No, I think it. I think the one thing that would be kind of interesting to monitor is see if um, if Lowry or Lonzo are affected at all, like on their playing games. Mm. Um, I think just to monitor if, whether or not they're kind of suspended for whatever participation they might have had in in conversations with those teams um, too early. But um, it, it sounds like most of the the kind of penalties are going to go go to the team side um, and executive side outside of those two players. Yeah, that's a perspective I hadn't thought about. If, the, if there would be ramifications for either Lonzo Ball or, or Kyle Lowry in those situations, I feel like the league wouldn't want to be dealing out penalties to to two key contributors. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll kind of see what happens. Um, obviously, whoever's involved has to be held accountable. So um, it'll be interesting to kind of figure out that resolution here soon, and we'll make sure to keep you listeners updated on that as well once we hear it. Uh, moving on to our Seg or sorry, our a little bit shorter segment for games of the week. Um, since we did have that news roundup for you guys, Ben and I are just going to highlight one game each from this previous week of week four, and uh, I'll let Ben go first. Yeah, so uh, my game of the week was actually yesterday, um, and it was just an impressive victory by the Hornets there over the Warriors. Um, obviously, we've highlighted Steph a lot. Um, and the Hornets got off to their hot start to this season have been kindly kind of uh, coming back down to earth a little bit. And I think this is just a good win for their, their group confidence um, there to kind of continue this um, positive first month for their season for being over 500. And um, the Warriors were obviously one of the hottest teams in the league. They had won seven in a row. 
So um, obviously Steph, you know, coming off 50 piece for the week, I think um, this was just a really impressive one. It was a close game. They were able to kind of uh, get enough defensive stops too, which I think is big for that team because they have not looked like a, a really good defensive team to start the year. So to kind of come up with stops um, to hold on to that victory against a really, really good Warriors team, um, that was a positive sign for for Hornets fans and, and that team. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Ben, is, is the fact that the Hornets do have one of the worst defenses in the league right now. Granted, they are still <clears throat> sitting up at, let's see, eight in the East, so eight and seven. And, and like we kind of mentioned earlier in the year when, when Bridges won player of the week, we knew that playoffs are, would be uh, a victory for the Hornets for this year if they were able to do that after their play-in run last year. So if they're kind of stable to stay on track and, like you said, maybe make small strides on the defensive side, they have definitely the guys um, on offense to to keep them within games. And I think what was encouraging in this one is Miles Bridges continued to play well and played well against a very good Golden State team, finishing with 22 points, eight rebounds, three assists. So um, props to the Hornets. That's a, it's a big win to knock off what looks like the best team in the league right now in Golden State. Um, I'll jump to my game of the week, which happened on Saturday, the 13th. And I'm bringing this one up simply because Ben refused to talk about it. <laughs> and it was the first matchup um, between the Cleveland Cavaliers and Boston Celtics. And Boston was leading handedly in this game up by as much as 19. And the Cavs stormed all the way back and won 91-89. Um, and it was impressive. They outscored the Celtics 29-15 in the fourth quarter, and I think it was Evan Mobley and Darius Garland that really just led the way for the Cavs, um, and I was just, like, shocked that they were able to pull this, like, a gritty, gritty win out when they're continuing to be, like, shorthanded in terms of their team, um, and I think it's just a win that signifies that this Cavs team is is legit. Like, they might not be a true contender, but they're competitive. Ben's just shaking his head. No, I'm the honest. I can't take it. Um, they're not, they might not be a contender, but they're a scrap. I think they're just going to be a team that no one's going to want to play. Like they have a lot of guys that can contribute and um, a lot of young guys that are, are really playing well. So, and once this team kind of gets healthy again, it will be interesting to see what kind of true noise that they can make. And I'm, I'm pretty stoked to see them playing this kind of basketball. Um, I will throw in that, um, the Cavs are the Celtics got the better of the Cavs tonight in their rematch. So um, another close game. Unfortunately, it had some injuries at the end. Um, actually, injuries on both sides for the Celtics. Rob Williams and, and the Cavs were without Jared Allen due to an illness and before the game. And then Evan Mobley left early. So shorthand for both teams. It was not a pretty game, but Celtics managed to to split the series with them early on. However, I'll highlight that that amazing comeback win for for my game of the week. Just had to do it to me. Just had to mention it. I will say though, um, Cleveland they just have um, and Garland. He does just about everything on the offensive side of the ball that you would want out of a point guard. He is really rounded into form. And then Mobley, as a rookie, he just does almost everything you want to see out of a player on on both ends. Um, He's very um, choosy as far as when he contributes on offense, um, but then he's also able to kind of be given the ball down the stretch and, and go get a basket there in the post. Um, 
when you saw him go up against Tatum there and in the clutch of all those games. So it's fun to see these young players kind of make an impact there. Um, obviously would have personally liked to see that go another way, especially with how much my team was in control of that one. And for Dan and I's personal kind of head to head, obviously we have our ties to each of those teams, but yes, it was very impressive comeback. You can just hear the disgust in his voice when he has to talk about that game. <laughs> um, had to highlight it, and it was one of the better games of the week. It was definitely a fun one. Uh, Cleveland was rocking, and it was it was good to see a, an energetic arena. Uh, All right, again. let's move on. Let's move so, on. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Ben, I'll 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 stop talking about it. Um, let's move to our last segment here. Our underappreciated performances of the week, continuing our trend from last week with bringing this new segment in. Um, ben, why don't you kick us off? Let's go first. Yeah, I'm going to highlight uh, Jeremy Grant. Uh, Pistons got, I believe, their second win of the season there. Obviously, it came against the Rockets, so it wasn't really a you know top-tier matchup there. <laughs> but um, Grant left Denver um, – last year and we kind of questioned his decision to go to Detroit um but he just wanted more of a, a focal a chance to be a focal point and um this guy took tremendous strides last year obviously if this was a, a winning club he, he probably could have been named an all-star um with his season statistics and and he put up 35 5 and 3 and um I know Kate is kind of the talk of the town in Detroit but Jeremy Grant has a really nice piece and um depending on the kind of direction Detroit wants to go he might be a name that team should probably monitor around the trade deadline I think a lot of contending teams would love to have Jeremy Grant on that on their roster um but yeah he was he was my underappreciated performance of the week I, I think he's just a really solid player and um I think he's a name to watch yeah I think Jeremy Grant Ben is is a great highlight there on Wednesday. Um, obviously, his involvement or his um, evolution into this offensive force that he is now in Detroit has just been has been remarkable. And unlike you said, if I was a team that was contending or looking for another piece, Jeremy Grant's only twenty six. Like he's he's still got room to grow as well as a player. Like he has been really impressive. Um, obviously, like he gets his chance to shine in Detroit, so maybe he's happy there, but. They're not winning basketball. Like, they're not. It doesn't look like they're going to be winning basketball and playing meaningful basketball for a little bit. So he might be a good target. We'll see kind of what direction they end up going. But props to Jeremy Grant. That was definitely a good performance. Um, my game is actually also from Wednesday, the tenth as well. Um, it was the Warriors' win over the Timberwolves, one twenty-three to one ten. And my underappreciated performance came from Andrew Wiggins. And so he's been kind of off to a slow start, but he just erupted this game. 35 points, four rebounds, two steals, and a dominant win. Um, wasn't shadowed a lot because Anthony Edwards actually popped off on the other end, finishing with his career high of 48. So, um, but Andrew Wiggins was just awesome. And I think he's going to be a real big X factor for the Warriors, especially when healthy, when Clay gets back, like he's going to have less defensive attention as well. Um, and if he's able to just contribute nights like this more regularly, obviously they don't need him to carry the offensive load, but when he's able to do this, it just adds, it makes the Warriors even, even scarier. Um, and he had two dunks on his former teammate, Carl Anthony Towns that were just, 
rocking um, the Chase Center. So that was definitely my underappreciated performance of the week. Um, obviously, Wiggins gets gets some flack because he was a former number one pick. Maybe he hasn't lived up to true expectations when he came into the league. But he's a nice wing player. I think that a lot of teams would, would like to have. Yes, he's on a big contract right now. But um, for this Warriors team, I think he does a lot. Um, that fits in well with that group. And, and this was a pretty great performance. Yeah, I think Williams is going to be an interesting piece. He's really picked up the defense since joining that team. And um, I would be interested to kind of see him potentially um, play some lineups with the four, maybe um, maybe when Wiseman gets back um, and Draymond takes a rest or something, um, maybe putting Wiggins more at the four with the Clay Steph pool would be an interesting lineup there. Um, but, yeah, his versatility is obviously going to come um, – come in handy there for that, that Warriors team. And um, you just like to see a place where um, a guy, a player can reach their max potential. It looks like Golden State might be that place for, for Andrew. Yeah, that's a great point, Ben. And I think the defensive side was was huge for Wiggins. And like you said, he's definitely picked that up in, in Golden State much better than he was earlier in his career. And if he can be a two-way, a two-way win like that, like, he's going to continue to have a, a pretty long career in the league and have some value. And, and he's going to be a contributing piece to what looks like a championship contending Warriors team. So um, I love the idea of him at the four, possibly taking like his, using his athleticism against um, bigger fours, maybe could be, could be an interesting lineup for the Warriors to explore once they are fully healthy. But, um, but yeah, I thought this was a great performance by him and definitely um, both him and Jeremy Grant deserve some more love. So we're going to shout him out on the pod. Um, any other kind of closing thoughts, Ben, before we wrap up on any of our segments um, for this episode? You know, one month down uh, for me, been been a lot of ups and downs for my personal team, um, but it's just great to have basketball back. Um, Warriors fan bases are probably saying order has been restored. Uh, we have a lot of other really great storylines to start this season here. And I just think this is, um, if everything kind of stays around what it's been, I think this is going to be one of the um, more interesting playoffs we, we get to experience. The league is looking um, very relatively balanced and a lot of really solid teams. So I hope it stays this way. Obviously I am for, all for having the most competitive playoffs we can get. Um, but yeah, I mean, one month in the books and a lot of good things here for the NBA. Yeah, totally agree. And um, one month down and we have still yet to see Kyrie Irving or John Williamson. So some low lights to end the pod. <laughs> yes, both, obviously both players we would love to see on the court, both not there for um, different reasons, but they are both electrifying when they are healthy or present. So um, hopefully we get to see a chance to have them both uh, be on the court soon. Yeah, agreed. Um, but and, you know, all I know on positive note, I think it's been a really fun and like Ben said, electrifying start to the year. Some some great surprises, um, great all-around performances from teams. And like Ben said, very competitive first month. And I think once teams kind of um, maybe that are enough to slow starts that we know can perform better as well. Like this should be a real competitive race for playoff seedings and, um, and play in positions. So um, great first month of the season to the NBA and we're excited to kind of keep talking about more with you guys. 
that will wrap us up though for this episode. So um, please like, follow us on all social media, um, like, and subscribe on our podcast as well, wherever you get your podcast. And this is another episode of The Pickup.